American public doesn't know what to believe anymore because we have a problem telling the truth because we're all worried about politics and money. Uh, well, Taliban, uh, they're, they're not good people. Not, nothing about them is, is okay. We should never have been uh, negotiating with them. Why are we married to August 31st as a withdrawal date? I mean, I don't understand why we don't have any flexibility. Hello, everyone. I welcome those of you who have listened before back, and I welcome those of you who are listening for the first time. Thank you for listening. My name is Lou Palumbo. The show is Between the Lines, and as we are living day to day, we're realizing we have more and more events to speak about, some of them contentious, more contentious than others, some of them tragic, as what we're witnessing in Afghanistan, tragic as to what we're witnessing in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Alabama and Mississippi, all these states have been dramatically impacted by this hurricane and their people in need. Hopefully the government is going to respond accordingly, both from a state level and the federal level with FEMA. Um, there's no, no secret as to why we're doing this show. I speak to it every day of my life, and it has to do with our children and their future, all children. I don't know if we're just not paying attention or did we take a stupid pill, but we're in trouble in this country today. What we're witnessing in Afghanistan is something that is just unforgivable, and I don't know who's running the country anymore. And I'm not directing that necessarily just at the president. I'm directing that to all of our elected officials and even those in the media who are fueling this fire of, of um, dissent and, and polarization. I don't know what to say to people, but, you know, for myself, I, I've had a very, I don't want to use the term blessed life. I've had an awesome, I've had an awesome journey. I've learned so much. It's frightening. I've had good fortune every regard, <clears throat> traveled immensely, met a lot of people, learned a lot by listening and observing, which is really the key to learning. Uh, I don't know what to say, but we've got a problem here. That what you're witnessing in Afghanistan is just simply shameful, indecent, immoral, and inexplicable. I, I'm not the brightest guy on the planet. Let me be very candid with you. I was a little lax in school, high school and college, actually grammar school, high school and college, let's be completely honest but I'm a fairly intelligent person nonetheless. And a lot of what I've learned during this journey, I've learned in the streets. You know, academics is very important. I have an academic background, but you have to learn how to problem solve and you have to learn how to fix things, which is what I became really good at. I'm not inclined to sit here and wallow in lunacy or drama. If you have a problem, let's just fix it. That doesn't seem to be the climate in the country today. The climate in the country today is one that's quite contentious. We're trying to figure out what it is we can say negatively about the other. We did this with a virus, as I've spoken to before. We took a virus, a pandemic, and decided to politicize it and weaponize it, which has left the public in a state of mind that they don't know what to believe, whether they should be vaccinated or not, because it has a political attachment to it. We've listened to the Democratic Party. This is irrefutable not attached to politics. I'm not necessarily a Republican where they pretty much came out and said, our oh, vice president in the primaries, she would not get the vaccine. You know, anything associated with Donald Trump, they just want nothing to do with. Well, that's an interesting way to speak to the public. Let's confuse them and divide them even more. Now we bump into this, and I don't want to quite say it was a bump, it was more of a bombing in Afghanistan. 
which has been precipitated over decades, starting in the 1980s when we were behind the scenes arming and funded the Mujahideen and giving them Stinger missiles to shoot down Russian aircraft. Move ahead, we now insinuate ourselves misguidedly into the Middle East. There is just a cultural disconnect here. It's very difficult to reconcile with people in Afghanistan that skin women, that rape them, that burn them alive, that throw acid in their faces and dismember them. I guess which supposed to try to draw some type of commonality. Not happening in this world. A lot of what you're experiencing today isn't so much the problem, it's the symptom of a problem. This country is slipping through our fingers and we need to get the brakes thrown on as soon as possible. Otherwise, we're going to lose the country and the country's going to fractionalize. We're starting to see it in little bits and pieces in places like Texas who have decided to take up their own cause in addressing the borders because of the concern of migrants flying, flooding into their country, some of whom are infected with the COVID virus. Just go on and Google the mayor of McLaren, Texas. You don't have to listen to me. I don't want you to be spoon-fed by me and most of all by any of the other media outlets. You just have to do a little research on your own. So I just want to give you just a quick overview. Um, we have some serious issues facing us. There seems to be a lack of common sense, logic, reason, decency, civility. We need a voice of reason, a voice of calm. We're not having it. And I don't mean to be hypercritical of the president, but he doesn't represent that. In fact, he's got many of us questioning his faculties at this point because of the mismanagement of this Afghan withdrawal. There is no question that the American public is tired of a 20-year war. It isn't an issue of leaving Afga Afghanistan, although I would controvert that. It's an issue of how we did it. The part that I struggle with most with this withdrawal deals with the young girls and women there that prior to our insinuation into this region of the country, or the world, I should say, um, lived lives that they were just pretty much brutalized. There's no other way to say it. This is an interesting mentality of men that has existed since the beginning of time. We seem to be evolving here, at times reluctantly in America. I can't speak for Europe. I can only speak to where I'm from. But in Afghanistan, it's just simply brutal. So we go waltzing into Afghanistan, and we convince their people to be our operatives, our intelligence gatherers, our translators, and we then empower the women to go to school and have careers and become professionals and liberate themselves. I'm just curious, but what mechanism does anyone see that's going to continue to perpetuate what we encourage their women to do? We've already heard instances with our troop withdrawal and the Taliban taking over that young girls are being raped and sold into slavery or sold into or given to Taliban leaders. I mean, do people really not understand what's going on there? And the part that really concerns me is maybe a lot of people in this country don't care. That's also part of it. Maybe they say it's not our battle. But you know what? We made it our battle. A couple of interesting expressions. One says, never let your mouth write a check your body can't cash. That's one of them. And we certainly have done that. Whether we like this as a reality or not, because of the dynamics, the geopolitical environment in Afghanistan, it would be necessary for us to leave troops there, period, as we've done in other countries, and to also support those troops with intel and air support, which is really the key. For those that are not very familiar with how we operate in law enforcement and military, and I have no military background, but I know about them, you take a 12-man element of SEALs with intel and air support, and they can work wonders. It's no different in Afghanistan. 
we could maintain order in this country and keep the Taliban under our thumb now that we've opened up this can of worms. You see, if you're wondering why the country's hated so much, just look at some of our political approaches to insinuating ourselves into foreign countries. You know, you have to stay out of these countries unless you're going to be fully committed. And it doesn't appear that we are. Withdrawing the troops in totality is misguided. I don't care if Donald Trump says it or Joe Biden says it. I'm only concerned about one thing. Who's going to remain there to continue to protect these young girls and women? The guys are going to be able to fend for themselves. That's how I look at this. Maybe they'll Taliban up or they won't, but they'll be able to kind of navigate the culture. What about these poor women? I just don't understand what we're doing here today. Bagram Air Base. Interesting. We basically abandoned an air base with $85 billion of weaponry. Bagram has four airfields, if my facts are correct. The international airport in Kabul has one. Why wouldn't you just continue to fortify that base, extend your perimeter, and... I would say complete this extraction from Bagram. We've, we, if they're saying they didn't have enough troops, we just had to augment the troops we had there anyway. I mean, who's running the show here? I don't want to say the village idiot because I don't want to insult the village idiot. But this is frightening and this is our country. And this has got nothing to do with politics. I hate to say this about President Biden, but he needs to step down. He does not have the cognitive skills or the faculties to lead this country. And I'm even more gravely concerned about our vice president, who seems to be a ghost. We can't find this woman anywhere. The borders. Where's the outrage for her with the Afghan women? Where's the National Organization of Women? Not to bring them up, but their, their head had to step down because she apparently had conversations or was collaborating with Andrew Cuomo about how to um, discredit some of his accusers. This is incredible what we're living today, the hypocrisy and the contradiction. But let's go back to Afghanistan. This didn't have to be this way. You've heard this a million times. Please take it from me. I have no skin in the game. I'm just telling you factually and truthfully. I have a lot of friends in weird places. Let me leave it at that. This could have been done much differently. But the reality of the situation is a total withdrawal from this country did nothing but expose the women in this country. And that's the greatest sin of all. So we're now we're going to get on, and hopefully we'll pick up the tone and have some, some callers and some emails come in. And uh, I want to start off today. Um, we have two incredible sponsors, and I want to thank them, Buzzsprout and Instacart. We'll speak more to them a little later in the show. With that said, we're going to get going. We're going to have caller work. Come in right now. Hello. With whom do I have the pleasure of speaking? John Reynolds. John, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm well. Where are you, buddy? Morrisonville, New York. Morrisonville, New York. Now, I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised in a city ups, upstate, I'm assuming, John? Um, basically Canada. Oh, you're right up there, huh? So, John, let's just get, get right into this discussion. I gather that you, you're a sergeant in, in the military and you were in Afghanistan at least for one tour, and I believe you started a second tour. Um, tell us about what you know regarding these Taliban individuals. And let's, let's speak directly to something I just mentioned a few moments ago, the potential risk that the young women are at in, in uh, Afghanistan now that we're deciding to pull out. I also have another interesting question, maybe you can help answer it later, is why are we married to August 31st as a withdrawal date? I mean, I don't understand why we don't have any flexibility, but I'd like you to just give us some insight, John, based on your experiences. Uh, well, Taliban... Uh they're, they're not good people. Not, nothing about them is, is okay. We should never have 
been uh, negotiating with them at all. And they even with uh, President Trump, I don't think the sitting down with them was the right call. Uh, I think the whole situation as a whole was handled about as piss poor as you could possibly handle it. Yeah, Let me interrupt you for one second, John, in re- regards okay. to President Trump, because I don't think it was really a negotiation with him. I think he was pretty much telling him how it was going to go. And if they deviated from the plan, I think he made a comment, and I heard this from a general who was part of that administration, that he knew where they lived. So I don't mean to correct you, but I think there's a really distinct difference in Donald Trump's approach to addressing an adversary and the current administration. And maybe you might agree with that on the hinge of, you know, hinge to my comments I just made. I don't think the president was really negotiating with him. I think he kind of laid down how this was going to go. And if you didn't comply, there were going to be some real serious consequences, starting with your residence. But I want you to continue. Go ahead, John. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. There's he did. He handled it a lot better than Biden did and this administration did. Um, and as far as as far as the deadline, I have no idea why that was set in stone. Like, I don't think a deadline specifically should have been set at all. I think it should have just been a gradual withdrawal um but to just say the 31st this is it you have to be out and the taliban i guess came out and told them that if you're not out by the 31st there will be consequences for you and we did nothing to that like we just said okay you guys are right we're gonna leave now and i don't know the whole situation has me pretty pissed off i don't it's kind of hard to put it all into words like exactly how i feel like politically correct wise (laughs) I don't think this is about political correctness, John. I, I think that just for the record, the sentiment that you that you have is shared by many, both from the military and even civilians. I mean, I wasn't in the military. I was in law enforcement. I, I know how to get in trouble and I know, I know how to get out of trouble. I know exit strategy. I'm just gravely concerned about who's running the country today because there's been no demonstration of any level of competency in putting a plan together to, that would lend itself to a proper extraction. But I, I did say... Uh, earlier before I uh, got you on the phone, um, I have grave concern for the women in that country because we basically empowered them and motivated them to go out and become something other than the slave to the Taliban. Now, my question, John, for you is, now that we have all this troop withdrawal, what do you think is going to happen to these women? I mean, it's already started. They're they're rounding them up. Um, reports I've seen, they're going house, house to house. And any young young girls women they're they're taking them all and either using them as slaves or even worse to some i've heard some have been they're stoning women in the streets um it's it's not it's it's a terrible situation for any woman that is still in afghanistan right now with this uh taliban regime yeah i i think more and more of us are becoming aware of this. The interesting thing is that um, there isn't enough emphasis placed on what these young women are being exposed to. And the part of it that's really disturbing for me personally is that I know what the government did. The government went in and spoke to them about education and careers and profession and being liberated and to assert yourself, right? And we supported that. Am I correct, John? We supported that. And then suddenly the support mechanism has been taken away. 
on August 31st. Would you agree? Oh, I think like, yeah, overnight that everything that we told all the, the civilians, all the, the Afghan civilians that weren't supportive of the Taliban, we, we made promises and they're all just, I think they all just went out the window as soon as the moment we left that country, even beforehand, even this last week or so, I think everything, everything we made, we promised them gone. I don't think the Taliban won't be letting anybody have free speech, free will, no free thinkers. It's it's pretty much going back to before we got there 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, the, the first mistake that was made, John, was that we should never have insinuated ourselves into that region of the world. There is just a cultural disconnect. You know, you know, just truthfully speaking, we do not treat our women in this country as well as we should. Comparatively speaking, we look, they look like princesses here. This, there's just some type of disconnect and a failure to evolve as civilization evolved. And that's what's gone on. And I'm not going to say all of the Middle East, just in case there's a place there that may have slipped through the cracks. But for the most part, most of the, uh, the Middle East, I've had a lot of uh, dealings and protection of individuals from the Middle East and their mentality towards women. Women is quite, quite just offensive. It's only recent in Saudi Arabia, I believe, they're allowed to have driver's licenses. They were never allowed driver's licenses, passports, you know, just treated like property. I don't understand that mentality, you know, and the education process regarding how we should be treating women in our country needs to continue. They're part of the balance in our own ecosystem with men, you know. That's, we don't need them to be um, who we are, but we do need them to be part of our equation and part of our balancing mechanisms. I, I do want to ask you just if you'd give us some insight as to some of your experiences that you had in Afghanistan. Um, my, my time, I was there 2003, 2004. Uh, we were on Bagram Air Base. And my, my dealings with the locals was pretty much we worked the checkpoints to get onto Bagram. So there were two, three checkpoints, and the very first checkpoint was basically where all the locals would come to try and get hired for the day. Um, and we had our interpreters that were always with us. Uh, and it's uh, my dealings, it wasn't a whole lot of direct interaction. It was pretty much kind of controlling the flow of traffic. Um, like there was... They're an interesting people, but they're, I mean, it just seems at the time, some of the things like, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to f figure out how to word this. It was, it was kind of like dealing with children a lot of the times, but it was because they were coming in and we kind of had this area where we just kept them all. So they would just sit there all day until somebody would show up and be like, hey, I need three workers and grab people. Uh, so it was kind of like, trying to deal with toddlers to like tell them doesn't get off the fence, sit down, stop this, stop that. Um, but as far as like actually interacting with like the local public, I never, I never really unfortunately got a chance to do that. Uh, I never left, I never left Bagram um, whenever they did have missions that went out, which I regret. I wish I had been able to do that. Uh, just, I think they, they tried to pick like the, the lower enlisted guys just to give them experience like that. So, right. um, how many years I mean, were you in the service, uh, John? Uh, just a little bit over three, uh, six years. I'm sorry. Six years. And are you originally from, uh, upstate New York? I'm actually from Georgia. Oh, you are. 
Whereabouts? Yeah. Uh, Lilburn, Georgia, about 20 minutes northeast of Atlanta. Yeah, we, I have a family member. My, uh, my brother's wife is from Georgia. Um, so let me ask you this. You know, what are you doing now? I uh, pretty much hang out with my dogs. I've been um, on the VA individual unemployability since last July, so I haven't, I haven't. I've been on VA disability since yeah for a little over a year now. This must Basically, be tough for you to witness, huh? After you sacrifice so much and you put yourself in harm's way, to realize that um, the people supporting you, or the people running this country. You know, their heads aren't, their thinking isn't properly aligned. It's got to make you a little upset. Uh, do you speak oh, that makes with, me very upset. Do you speak with other veterans, John? Um, yeah, I still, have, I still have a bunch of buddies. Um, you had one on your show last week, uh, Brad. Um, we keep in contact as much as possible. I mean, it's not an everyday thing. I have guys that I've worked with. I used to work, um, before I stopped working last year, I worked at the, with the federal prison system here. Uh, the BOP, and so I got guys there that were in the military, so we'd kind of like the typical uh, joking around with vets kind of thing, how we do with the different branches. Um, but as far as guys that I served with, yeah, there's there's a handful that I still keep in touch with um, as much as possibly can, just to kind of check on each other. Can I ask you a question, John? How old are you? 43. You're a young guy still. All right. Well, listen, is there anything else you'd like want to speak to? Any concerns or any observations you'd like to share? I mean, I, based on what my friend Brad told me, your, your, your kind of views on this administration align with ours. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a disaster. I think everything, the fact that we left Afghanistan completely and there's still American citizens still there with no plan to get them out is... That's probably the most infuriating is that, you know, the military as a whole, we generally like to follow the, the mantra of no man left behind. And right. we just we just left to know. We don't even know how many people are still there, but it's not a good thing. It's not good for them. It's it's they're basically left to fend for themselves. And our administration is doing to get them out. You know, you know what I, I say, um, John, is that in 2022, we have the midterm elections and this is going to be the litmus test for this country. And I do want to say something to you. Um, I'm, I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I don't even know if I'm an independent, you know, I'm an American and my thought process doesn't attach to anybody's political agenda, period. You know, what we're witnessing today, independent of the politics is as shameful as it gets. Maybe, you know, in law enforcement, John, we have an expression, it's never the crime, it's the cover up, the lies that they're spewing. I just don't understand how these people sleep at night. You know, I really don't understand how void you are of character or integrity or honor. You know, I just don't get this today. I have to give you a chuckle. I'm sure you saw this, but a White House spokesperson and even, I believe it was, uh, um, who's the young girl that's the uh, secretary, press press secretary, um, Taki, right? She came out and said, and this was, was perhaps one of the more entertaining moments, that the Republicans defunded the police. That's how twisted we are today. But, you know, I do want to say this to you, John, because you're still a young guy, and I don't know what your recollection is of uh, prior behavioral characteristics of the Democratic Party, for example, but they were much more moderate. They were much more open-minded. 
there's a problem in this party today. This party's being splintered. They have a young demographic of extremists. You have Cortez in New York, Tlaib, Omar, Beto O'Rourke, Julian Castro, Budapest, you know, any number of people that are hindering their cause, which ultimately hinders their ability to come to sensible resolutions with problems that are facing us today. Listen, uh, John, I've got I've to rock and roll here. I want to thank you. I encourage you to call me back. Anytime you want to talk, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, we're going to go to a quick break. I want to thank our sponsors in, in particular. And I want, want to remind everyone to find us. You go to betweenthelines.tv. You can listen to shows, news. Um, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. You can YouTube us. And I just want to thank everyone. And, John, I want to thank you in particular for calling in, and I would encourage you to do so. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was, it was a good, uh, good experience. Thank My you very pleasure. much. Listen, I'm around if you need me, buddy. All right, folks, we'll be right back. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show. And to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly. And as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly, and I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective, and they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Between the Lines. My name is Lou Palumbo. As you probably know, you know we're trying to, to take the contention out of the discussion today and reintroduce civility and decency, and the big motivating factor today is the future of our children. So we have some emails today. I believe we have one from Marcus. I'm going to read through it very gently. He says, Lou, I've heard you put down the President Biden a few times. But wasn't he dealt a bad hand being elected in the middle of the worst pandemic of our generation, one of which I guess they've ever experienced? He's a driving force behind the vaccinations. Previous administrations are also to blame for Afghanistan. There's no exit strategy that wouldn't have ended well for the people there. And wouldn't you want to make a better life for themselves and cross the border? It beats being raped and murdered and left with no chance in a third world country. This is a very, very good um, email communication. The first thing I want to just speak to is that I haven't really beaten up the president too much. That's not the exercise. No one should be wallowing in his failures right now. And for someone that doesn't realize that he's failed us miserably, I just don't know what to say to you. The part that alarms me is, is his own self-deception. It's not so much that you make a mistake as when you try to lie about it, which is just kind of like an ongoing thing. And, and just so we're clear about this, um, CBS, MSNBC, ABC, CNN, they're all saying the same thing I'm saying. This is not about political attachment. This is about the truth. What's gone on in Afghanistan, although he may have inherited it, I remind everyone, he asked to be elected the head of this country. He knew there was a pandemic. He knew Afghan war 
had been waged for nearly 20 years. It's not like he was blindsided. That's not what happened. Just so we're clear about something, he was part of the political mechanism that weaponized the virus and decided to make it a political discussion to harm the credibility and character of the then sitting president. Let's just tell the truth. I wish I had you um, in a phone conversation, Marcus, to be honest with you, to go back and forth with you, because I don't think it's fair to you for me just to respond to to this email you sent me. I am not anti-Joe Biden. I wanted Joe Biden to succeed, because if he succeeds, this country succeeds. But I think we know that isn't going to happen here. Tragically, this whole administration is imploding. It's a border issue, right? They're unsecured. It's the migrants coming in from the unsecured. It's the COVID they're bringing. It's the crime in our major cities. And this is just a fact. All of them being run by Democrats. It's the price of gasoline almost doubling. And in some places more than doubling, like California. It's over $5 a gallon. I saw in New York the other day, it was $4 a gallon in Long Beach, Long Island. January is paying $1.73, your price of commodities. And for some reason, and I can't explain to you why, Marcus, this whole conversation about Cuba has left the radar screen. You know, so if I understand this correctly, people applying for asylum because of political persecution or other are okay if they come across the border, but they're not okay or valuable or have a valid uh, position if they're coming from Cuba. Cuba is a whole nother discussion, by the way, which we won't get into today. As far as the driving force behind the vaccines, truth be told, if everyone recalls, this isn't my opinion, this is a fact. The Democratic Party, including our vice president, said she would not get vaccinated. They wanted nothing to do with anything that, that Donald Trump was associated with, and that included and wasn't limited to the vaccination. I just don't understand if people, their hearing is defective. And this is what I say, Marcus. If you're listening, don't take me on my word. I want you to go do some investigating on your own. I've been an investigator for 48 years. I know how to find the fact. More importantly, I know how to fix problems. And we're not living that today. Um, In reference to uh, the Afghanistan debacle that's going on, the truth of the matter is there is no exit strategy. And I spoke to this before I took a phone call this morning and before I started reading your email. Our mouth wrote a check, our body needs to cash. We made promises there, in particular to women, that we would liberate them and give them a future. And we've just decided now, and I won't say it's arbitrarily, to pull out that support mechanism, which happens to be the United States military. And so everybody understands how pathetic this is You put 2,500 or 5,000 troops with intel and air support, you control the country. Our military leaders are speaking to this. These aren't just my words. So there's a whole, you know, problem that we're we're dealing with here. And and I just don't know where to start or end in this conversation, except I know we need change. Not the change Barack Obama spoke to, because that wasn't change. He started the polarization in the country also. If anybody would like to have a conversation with me, pick up the phone and call in, and I'll explain to you what went on in Ferguson. In reference to to these third world nations you make reference to, you're absolutely correct. That's where we should be insinuating our our ways. If, If this is the way they're running their countries, and as a result of that, their people are running to our borders, we need to go and address them. 
the same way we needed to go in and address Mexico, which we never did. You know, I always tell people we shouldn't have invaded Iraq. We should have invaded Mexico because now the same thing I said over a decade ago is being said. It's the greatest threat to our national security and it's being mismanaged for political purpose. Marcus, do me a favor. Call in, buddy. We need to have a conversation and I want to make sure you understand this isn't about contention. It's about the truth. And I don't expect you or anyone else to take anything I say and just accept it because it came from my mouth and I had the good fortune to to build a podcast. So for that matter, listen to any of these other media outlets, all of whom have a political agenda today. Your media has decided to become part of the political discussion, attach themselves to political parties. That's what's watered down or robbed us of the integrity. The American public doesn't know what to believe anymore because we have a problem telling the truth because we're all worried about politics and money. Look, I'm going to run. I encourage you, Marcus, to call in or email me again in response. Don't insult me if you can avoid it. (laughs) But I would encourage you to call and we can continue this conversation. But that was an excellent email. Brought up some very good points or I would say topics that needed to be addressed. But to just finalize this, Joe Biden has spent over 45 years in a political environment. He knew what was going on in Iraq because he voted for us to go in there after the World Trade Center has come down. This is not new to him, okay? And if that's his defense, and I hope it certainly isn't, you need to just step aside and let somebody competent get into play. Look, we're going to take a quick break. I thank Marcus for that email. It was a very good email. It was very stimulating. And uh, we're going to take a break. Thank our sponsors, Instacart and Buzzsprout. Encourage our listeners and others to plug into our website, betweenthelines.tv, and we'll be right back, guys. If you're a podcaster, I can't say enough good things about Buzzsprout. That is how we distribute our show, and to learn more about them, go to our betweenthelines.tv. I do want to explain one thing about Buzzsprout. Very user-friendly, and as you know, we incorporated ourselves. So if you're inclined to create your own uh, podcast and you want some real good support mechanism, we would tell you, entertain Buzzsprout. They're very, very good. And as I said, we use them. Instacart, another interesting concept. You can go to your favorite grocery stores, sign on to their application without leaving your home, the comfort of your home. Just pick out the items you'd like. They'll assign a personal shopper for you and deliver them to the point that you would like them delivered to. Another great concept, very user-friendly. And I'll be honest, we use it also. It's very effective. And they're very, very good. They're very uh, on point. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Between the Lines. My name is Lou Palumbo. For any of you who would like to call me, you can just call me Lou. I'm not so much on formality these days. Um, we have a young lady who has sent us an email, Dee, and she's from Brun- New Brunswick. And that's in New Jersey, just for the record. And her, her question is, is it smart to reopen football stadiums right now and pack them full of fans? I keep reading about hospitals in the South overcapacity with COVID patients, yet this weekend we're going to have millions of fans gathered together cheering for their favorite teams. Are we being ignorant about this? Good question. We're, we're really trying to explore how not to continue to devastate the economy of this country while entertaining this virus whose origins are from China. I know no one likes to say that because of the political issues here or the fact that Donald Trump said it, even though it's the truth, not a discussion about China, folks, not our friends. Um, 
I would reasonably assume that the the managers managers of the stadium are going to implement some type of mechanism for screening, right? I think they probably are going to ask you for a vaccination card to prove you've been vaccinated. You know, this is like a balancing act right now, and and um, we're trying to reopen the economy before we completely devastate the economy. That's one of the things, number one. Number two, we're trying to give the American psyche a little bit of a break. So um, I'm not sure if they're at full capacity. My information is they may be operating at limited capacity, which lend itself to a distancing protocol. And um, each state has rules, and these rules involve vaccination and the cards associated with it, just so everybody knows, in case you haven't heard, the FDA has approved Pfizer's vaccine. I took the Pfizer vaccine. I had absolutely no side effects. I do want to say something else as long as we're on this topic. In years past, and I'm a bit older than probably people would realize, we had measles and mumps and uh, rubella and all types of viruses. And before I could go to school, I had to get vaccinations just for the record. They wouldn't let you come into the classroom. In addition, we had polio and scarlet fevers and all of these H1N1s, all of these other crippling diseases that we developed vaccinations for. People just went out and got them, right? We really didn't question, you know, the politics attached to it. We went out and got them because of need. Something left this conversation. We decided to politicize the vaccine and the virus, and we decided to weaponize it. And now we have a, a whole body of people, 335 million, won't say all 335 million are of age to be vaccinated, questioning whether or not they should. And the interesting thing now is that the vast, vast, vast majority of people in these hospitals that you allude to, and by the way, it's not just the South, it's all over the country now, are people who are unvaccinated. We planted the seed of distrust in the brain of the American public, and now we're reaping the fruition, or as they say, you reap what you sow. So it would be nice if we could get everybody on the same sheet of music in Washington, D.C., and in our media to kind of put the public at ease and take the sting of politics out of this discussion and get everybody vaccinated. Um, I'd like to ask you, are you vaccinated? But, of course, you can't answer me. They're saying most people, 99% of the people that catch this virus after vaccination are not going to hospitals. That's been something they said. They said there was a 95% chance it would prevent you from getting the virus. But if you did get the virus in that other 5% range, you wouldn't have extreme conditions. You wouldn't require hospitalization. And there are going to be some people that are going to die because sometimes it's just health conditions that exist that we don't need anything attacking your body at that time. But it would said that you would not die. And that's pretty much been held, held true. Now, um, I know, and I spoke to this earlier, we would like to paint the picture that the Republicans, for example, are pushing against the vaccine, but they're not. The fact of the matter is it was the Democrats. They said they would not sign on to anything promoted by Donald Trump, including the vaccine. So this whole thing got very, um, how would you say, convoluted and blurry. You know, to simply state, if you're not going to get vaccinated... Just make sure you stay away from people. You know, even myself, and I'm vaccinated, I can still be a carrier. 
if for whatever reason I were to contract the virus and be asymptomatic, I could still infect people. You have to be mindful of this. We have a responsibility to one another. It's not political. It's not media-driven. It just has to do with common sense, decency, morality, and the fact that we're all in the same country. You know, I don't understand where this disconnect is, but I do know where it came from. Your elected officials, some, and some of your media people. So, anyway, that was a great, uh, a great question. I hope I answered it sufficiently. I would encourage you, if you would like to further the conversation, you can respond and retort in an email, or please call me. We're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to have some. Uh, I guess we would call them closing thoughts. <laughs> hope that's not an oxymoron. <laughs> We'll be right back. I have a great sense of humor. You do have a great sense of humor. And by the way, the NFL is at its full capacity. Oh, it is. And so is college right now. They're out of their fucking minds. (laughs) I I don't know what to say. All right, folks, we're back. And I do want to remind everyone, uh, you can find us uh, at betweenthelines.tv. You can find shows. We're on Apple. We're on iTunes. You can Google, not Google, excuse me, YouTube. And I would encourage you to participate in this process because there are some interesting occurrences in our culture today that need a level of addressment that have no political attachment to it. That's where we're at. This isn't about being a Republican or a Democrat. It's about being an American and where my responsibility lies first and foremost to the people of this this country and most importantly to our children. So I want to thank everyone for joining us today. I would encourage you again, reach out to us betweenthelines.tv. Please feel free to call in. I, I like the emails, but I prefer people calling because it allows them to respond to my responses. I don't want anyone to just accept what I say as dogma because it came from my mouth and I can articulate myself. And by the way, don't be spoon-fed by the media either. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us. I'm Lou Palumbo. <laughs>